Hello, thank you for downloading this episode of The Final Third. We have a superb episode for you guys today. We talk about Manchester City winning the Premier League, Dortmund and Leicester City winning their respective cup competitions. We also talk about some accounting and moral philosophy. Yes, I'm serious. Stick around. It's going to be a great episode. As always, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Final Third Show. Those links are going to be down in the show notes down below. Give us a follow wherever you listen to us on. Give us a rating as well. That always helps. Yeah. And with that, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to another news and predictions episode of the Final Third my name is Jack. I'm back after a little hiatus uh, from the podcast and ready to talk about some news and predictions. I'm a Chelsea fan this weekend, unfortunately, an Atalanta fan this weekend, fortunately, I guess you could say, a Fr- French national team fan, Slovakian fan, and of course, Minnesota United fan. And I'm joined here with AJ. Hey, my name's AJ Tabura. I'm a Minnesota United, West Ham United, unfortunately, and a U.S. <laughs> national team fan. Uh, Jack, you know, finals are over. We're looking towards the summer. How, are you excited for the summer? I guess I should say. I am excited for the summer. I'm I'm ready for uh, to not think about school for about three months. It's going to be fantastic uh, to not think about, you know, having to do an essay or <laughs> having to do a, a proctored quiz with a uh, proctorio, which is the bane of my existence. It's, it's going to be great. Yeah, uh, we're all really excited here because we are going to do a lot of cool things this summer in terms of the podcasts. We have some live streams that are coming up, hopefully the Champions League final between Man City and Chelsea. We're going to go to some live games of both Minneapolis City, which is a local NPSL team, as well as Minnesota United. So we have a lot of cool things planned. We're going to cover those games as well. We're just going to post a lot more on social media because instead of school taking up 100% of our time, we have work that only takes up 33% at most. So yeah, <laughs> that, that's always good. Uh, but as always, as always follow us on Twitter and Instagram, I'm getting back into posting on Instagram and on Twitter, Jack, I don't know if you saw us, we reached a hundred followers. Isn't that- we did reach a hundred followers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, wow. That's really exciting. I, I, it was actually one of my New Year's resolutions to reach 100 followers on Twitter. So I'm really happy about that. In terms of following us, also follow us on podcasting platforms, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever. And also, uh, we have a listener server that we're going to release on Thursday. So if you're listening to this right now, if you're a regular listener, uh, look out for that survey that's going to come out on our Thursday deep dive episode. Uh, It's just a couple of questions on what you like about the podcast, what you don't, what you think we can improve on, uh, stuff like that will help us improve the podcast and improve the listening experience for you. But with that, let's get on with the episode. We've gone on long enough. We have, first off, our big stories, which is the five big biggest stories around the soccer world that we're going to talk about. Then we have some other segments as well. But the big stories is what makes the news and predictions episode, the news and predictions episode, and not just the predictions episode. So let's get into it. The first one, uh, kind of a big one. Manchester City win the 2020-2021 Premier League title. It's their fifth Premier League title and the seventh first division title overall for them. And it's an extremely dominant win for them with Leeds being the only side that they hadn't beat. It's a story of incredible That's depth. so weird. Yeah, like, literally. But 
is Marco Bielsa worth talking about? So Marcelo, Marcelo. Bielsa, sorry, Marce- not Marco. Not Marco. <laughs> I don't even know. Anyway, <laughs> it's a story of incredible depth and stout defense. When players were injured or out of form, like KDB, Sterling, or Aguero, there were players that had the talent and will to step up. Unlikely heroes like John Stones or Gundogan were among the MVPs for their campaign. And that's not even including the wild amount of talent that helped them along the way. Uh, Diaz, Cancelo, Mendy, Zinchenko, ooh, yeah. Zinchenko, yeah, yeah. Zinchenko, sure. Silva, Rodri, Mares, Jesus, Foden, and Torres all played a huge, huge role. The depth of this team was insane. So insane that they are unbeaten in their last 23 away games. And from November to March, they went on a 28-game unbeaten streak. Just a hugely dominant league win for them. And so I'm going to throw it to Jack because this is a big piece of contention with a lot of people because it's kind of a big picture discussion when we're talking about Man City and these other Super League teams. Uh, but does Pep and the City organization as a whole deserve credit or did money buy this title? Jack, what do you think? Money didn't buy this title. That's I think that's a big misconception that people have because you look at you look at the spend of all these other teams. Like uh, I, I know I know um, you, you know Manchester United fans are going to hate me bringing this chart up because I'm sure they've seen it. There's a chart of spending between the two Manchester clubs since Sir Alex Ferguson left the club from 2013 onwards. They have spent around the same amount of money, around 1.8 billion dollars each, and yet somehow City have won titles and United have won a Europa League and some FA Cups and some League Cups, you know? That, that, that's the difference. And, you know, you can, there's a lot of different factors. The manager is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Pep Guardiola is, a, is, a, is just a winner. He's just a winner. Wherever he goes, he wins in Germany, he wins in Spain, he wins in England. I, I, I personally think he should go to every major league and just keep winning so he can, so he can conquer all of Europe, honestly. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he, he deserves a lot of credit for that. And, the city organization in their recruitment deserves a lot of credit. You know, Ruben Diaz was brought in for 50 million, right? Harry Maguire for Manchester United was brought in for 80 million. And which one of those has been a, one of the best defenders in the league who has contributed so much to leadership in that side? The 50 million dollar spend one. Mm-hmm. And actually, I don't even think he was 50 million. I think he was like 20 million plus uh, trade with Nic- for Nicolas Otamendi, I think. Uh, but you know that the point the point still stands. Their recruitment has been top notch, and they deserve this title. The city organization, Pep Guardiola, these players. Sure, you could say they buy up a lot of talent, but they've taken gambles with other players that have been, you know, relatively unproven. Ferran Torres wasn't like you know the biggest name or anything that they could have brought. He wasn't the biggest name winner they could have brought in this last off season, but he contributed all the same. Gabriel Jesus wasn't like the biggest name they could have brought in. He contributed. Sergio Aguero, when he came in in, in uh, 2012 or 2011, wasn't the biggest name in the world. He was he was a talent, but for sure, but not the biggest name. They brought him in, made him into a Premier League superstar. The recruitment is what won so many is what wins so much for City, and adding Pep Guardiola to the management team adds even more. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you really think about it, people who say that their entire argument kind of falls apart when you look at other examples like PSG would have a Champions League right now if all it took to win titles 
was money. It's just, it's just empirically proven to be untrue. And, you know, with that, I'll have to say congratulations to Manchester City. Uh, West Ham will take that spot from you next season. (laughs) Next season. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, let's go into another crazy story, maybe a little bit more unpredictable than Manchester City winning the title. It's something that belongs into the lower league lowdown, but we don't have one this week. So we're going to move it up to the big stories. Uh, Jack, because this is the lower leagues, why don't you walk us through it? What's going on in the English championship? Yeah, well, there's some really big news that could have big ramifications for every team, really. Uh, And it concerns Derby County, uh, the team that survived in the championship by one point this past season. But now they could be in some hot water after a case that was originally, you know, uh, I think, uh, I can't think of the right word for it for some reason. uh, The case was dismissed. That's the right word. Uh, Saying that Derby County manipulated their finances in a number of ways in what uh, is now called alleged creative accounting to get away from financial fair play uh, regulations. So if you if if you don't know, I love accounting. I'm a big nerd about it. Mm -hmm. I'm proud of that fact. And so when I saw this, I was like, AJ, we got to add this in. And so here's what's happening right now. Darby County were charged by the EFL over breaches of financial fair play, but that was originally dismissed in January 2020. However, since then, it has now been brought back up, saying that when more details were revealed about the extent of their financial fair play breaches, and because of that, they they could be hit with a point sanction or a financial sanction because of the actions they took. So what exactly happened? Well, there's two big planks to this case. The first one has to do with the leasing of Pride Park in in the 17-18 season. They sold the stadium in uh, 2017 for $41 million, but to an ownership group that was owned by the same people that owns the club. They then leased that back to them on a long-term contract for $40 million, so they could split up those lease payments over a, over a fair amount of time which turned losses of 14.7 million the year before into a $14.6 million profit, or sorry, pound profit, I should say. Uh, And what what this did though, is it dodges the EFL's sustainability rules over total losses a club can incur in a given three-year period. Right now, the total uh, amount they're allowed to lose and uh, claim as losses is 37 million. They, without leasing the stadium, would have lost $37.2 million in a three-year period, which would have put them over the deficit. And because of that, means that the club wasn't being sustainably run. Now, that's just one part, which, you know, that's not actually too uncommon, as other clubs have done the exact same thing. Aston Villa did the exact same thing with their stadium. And uh, there, there's tons of other examples that, of this. Uh, Birmingham, Reading, Sheffield Wednesday all tried to exploit this loophole in the financial fair play loopholes. But the EFL saying that they that other teams have done this before kind of dropped the case. But then it emerged that they did even more creative accounting to dodge financial fair play. And this concerns player contracts. And this is a little complex. So Asia, you're going to have to keep me on track if this gets too confusing, I guess. Right, uh, sure. <laughs> so basically... Uh, it concerns this practice called amortization, 
which is kind of depreciating the value over player contracts because players over time are treated as intangible assets by clubs, which means they lose value year to year. Now, in England and in the US, the standard of accounting is to have an initial value. So whatever you purchase the player for, let's say it's 2 million in this case. And then you have a residual value of zero, meaning that at the end of the contract, the player leaves on a free. And therefore, you don't get anything from that, from that player moving on. So it has a res- that player has a residual value of zero. Over the course of that, let's say the contract is four years, the club would expense 500,000 pounds every year in, to get to 2 million down to zero over those four years. Then if they sell them after that second year, let's say they sell them for 1.2 million, they'll have amortized 1 million, meaning the player will be worth that much and they'll have made a profit of 200,000 pounds. So that's what the total cost would be per year, 500,000 pounds. Now, what Derby County did though, is they had that same initial value, but they, did a res- they changed the residual value. So instead of amortizing down to zero, they only amortized down to what they expected the player to be sold for in the future. Oh, wow. So for example, instead of zero, they might've done to 1 million. So that means that every year you amortize 250,000 pounds and then, you know, you have to pay less every year and your accounting looks a lot better. Looks like you're having less losses and it helps them dodge sustainability rules. Now, you know, this might not seem that big on this tiny scale of this example of a 2 million pound player, but over time and with an entire squad of players having this, it really adds up. And because of that, they've manipulated their accounting to make it look like their financial status is in a lot better place than it should be. And that breaks financial fair play because that would put them over the the threshold for how much they can lose in a year. So what's what's going to happen with this? Well, Wickham Wanderers, who were relegated from the championship one place and one point below Wayne Rooney's Darby County, are now suing to make sure that the that any point sanctions or financial sanctions are applied this season. So if that happens, Wickham Wanderers will stay up and Darby County will finish below them, therefore being relegated to EFL League One, which could be massive. And uh, if not, it could be applied next season. And then they'll have to start with a deficit like Sheffield Wednesday did this past season. But you know, it, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a watershed type thing because it has a lot of implications for other clubs. You know, uh, a lot of accountants that I that I was looking at uh, reacting to this in the UK are kind of calling this a test case for financial fair play. It, in that, if the EFL chooses not to charge them for this, then it allows other teams to use the same kind of practice to get around these rules. Like imagine if it, it might be small, it might be different if like a, a League Two team is doing this, but imagine if like Chelsea or Manchester City or Manchester United, who have players on these massive contracts, start doing this. So they lose less and less money every year, make their financials look better and, and get a higher profit for their owners. So there are a lot of concerns with this and it could be really massive. It's definitely a story to watch uh, in the future, especially as it could determine the relegation race, really, after the season's even ended. So that I think that's really interesting. But AJ, what, I, I, I'm not sure what exactly the right question is to ask for this, but you know, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think about all this? Do you think that Darby County are 
purely being creative with their accounting and just found a loophole and should they be allowed to exploit it or should should there be punishments oh wow that's a that's a very moral question you just it asked is, me is. because i mean that that brings up to like light all the different questions you could ask about say millionaires or billionaires finding loopholes in a tax system right. should they be uh, hold, held accountable or should they be let go in my opinion i think if it's truly a loophole and it's like 100% legal, then yeah, like close the loophole, but I guess there's not much you can do except yeah. to make it illegal in the future. Uh, but at the same time, if there is something that they have broken in the the rules of the, the letters of the law, I suppose, then yeah, I, I, I guess they should be held accountable. Uh, I was thinking about possible punishments and it made me think back to the Carlos Tevez uh lawsuits that were going on around the transfer to West Ham and this was a big thing that I don't know if it really set a precedent but uh a lot of the relegated teams were suing West Ham because it was found that Carlos Tevez like some like accounting whatever uh the, the transfer of Carlos Tevez to West Ham was illegitimate or just bad in general and if he wasn't there to score those goals West Ham probably would have gotten relegated and those teams would have survived. And there's a huge lawsuit and West Ham settled for like 5 million pounds or whatever. Wow. And, and, and so the, the, there's a lot of precedent for these big what if relegation lawsuits. So I don't, I don't know exactly know what's going to happen to uh, Darby and them, but it, it's, a, it's a can of worms, I suppose, that yeah, I'm really glad is. I don't have to open. Do you have any like opinions on what you think is going to happen? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this much. It technically is legal what they did. It, okay. It's not You're illegal right. for them to do this. But on, at the same time, you, I, I'm thinking if they hadn't done this, they would have certainly broken financial fair play because they would have had to claim higher losses, potentially double what they what they've reported in losses. And therefore, they would be hit with a points punishment and they would be relegated. So it and, you know, it. it I think it's kind of kind of tough because on one hand they they really didn't do anything wrong technically. They they've just manipulated something to survive within the realm of the law, but it is a loophole that makes it unfair. I think that more likely than not they'll be playing in the championship next season and a mm -hmm. points reduction might be applied next season, but uh you know, just because I like Wickham a little bit because I think they're a cool team that uh you know, use what they had to get up and you know, I, I'd like to see them stay up if possible, but I don't think it will happen. All right. Well, that is enough accounting for a week, enough moral <laughs> philosophy for a week as well. Uh, let's get back into uh, just some good old fashioned winning, I suppose. Uh, thank you, Jack, for that. I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about accounting because we have an accounting expert right here. So whenever that comes up, we, we, we got our man I'm right not there. not sure if expert's the right word, but okay. I'm going to use expert because you know a lot more than me. And if the, you know a lot Fair more enough. than me on a Fair topic, enough. you're automatically an expert in my mind. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. Let's go to Borussia Dortmund winning the DFB Pokal over RB Leipzig. And we'll talk about what actually happens in the match in the prediction section. But what a dominant win for them, getting them their fifth Pokal win in the club's history. The match was a true masterclass from Sancho and Holland. 
who both got braces in their 4-1 win. A complete performance from most of the players that make the club great. Berkey, Hummels, Bellingham, Royce, Brandt, Reyna, Hazard. You know, Reyna didn't do much. I'm going to include him because I'm a, a U.S. national team fan. Most importantly, it was a trophy to send. Ooh, Jack, you're going to have to help me with this one. Lukas Pizic? Lu, uh, Lukas Pizic. Pizic. Ah, yes. Uh, Polish names always like <laughs> mess me up more than anything. It's a lot of, a uh, lot of consonants in there, but yeah. you know, cool name, honestly, but to send Pizic out in style, he was a true club legend leaving with another trophy to his name. You know, uh, a lot of great success out of Borussia Dortmund this season got top four, got uh, this DFB Pokal win. Uh, but Jack, my question for you, but does this make Dortmund's season successful? Because, you know, they just barely made it to top four. This is their only trophy. They crashed out of all the other tournaments that they're a part of, uh, Champions League. They pretty much weren't even in the running for the, the Bundesliga title. Is their season still successful? You know, I, I think it is, personally. And here, here's why, though. Um, they've won a trophy, which, you know, they is better than last year already. So that's an improvement. They made it one round further in the Champions League. Another improvement. Uh, so, uh, to be fair, they, they did face the eventual finalists in, uh, the, uh, in the first round last season. But still, they've, they've made it a round further. And, you know, they... They haven't really challenged for the Bundesliga title, but they also didn't do a lot of squad rebuilding, really. Like, uh, they, if you think about it, they didn't bring in many major players other than Bellingham, really. Uh, at least that's all I can think of for, for the moment. So, uh, you know, they, they've brought in one really major player, and maybe they brought in a few other free agents as well that I'm forgetting about. But, uh, I think that they've done well considering all of the turmoil as well in the front office and with their, and with the management change. Uh, you know, I, I think that their season has, that their season has been successful enough. Does, uh-huh. Doesn't match the expectation that they might have usually probably not, but given all of the other factors, I think you have to count it as a success to end with any silverware at all. And, you know, we're talking about Dortmund, we're talking about the Bundesliga, Let's talk about that league and all the five big leagues because we are now in the penultimate weekend. It just happened. Most of the leagues, except the Premier League, get it together, Premier League, are going to have their final game week next week. Premier League still has a midweek slate of games coming this Tuesday and Wednesday. But we are now looking at a finalized look at the title races and the top four races for these leagues. And Jack has some permutations on how the top four can play out in all these different leagues. Cause there's a lot of exciting developments happening in the top four races. So Jack, I'll let you take it from here. Yeah. Well, I've per- I, I'll clarify. I have permutations for every league, but the premier league, because that would be very tough to do. Yeah. Cause they point. stop but, two left. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll, I'll start with one of the simpler ones, which is La Liga. And this top four race has been settled for a while but we have some more clarity on the positions of these teams. The race for third and Ford is third and fourth, not Ford, uh, will be between Barcelona and Sevilla. So 
Sevilla are currently in fourth on 74 points and Barcelona are in third on 76 points. Their final matches, uh, Sevilla take on Alaves, who are pretty low down in the bottom of the table, 15th, while Barcelona take on bottom of the table, Ibar. So I'm going to back Barcelona to get third in this race uh, overall. But, you know, given that Barcelona have been choking recently, I could see it happening that they still bottle it and get fourth. But uh, then we have, for the top two spots, the two Madrid teams, Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid, are competing for first and second. Atletico Madrid have the advantage on 83 points, and Real Madrid have 81. Now, Atletico Madrid have a much easier matchup against Valladolid, Valladolid, who are in 18th place in the relegation zone, and Real Madrid are up against Europa League finalist Villarreal. So that's going to be a really interesting game to watch because they definitely have the toughest match out of these four for the final day. I'm going to say Atletico Madrid do it and finally fulfill their dreams of winning a title once again. Uh, Next, I'll move on to the Bundesliga because that's relatively easy too. We know the top two teams are going to be Bayern and RB Leipzig in that order. And then we have the race between third and fourth. And it's a matter of which American is going to finish third and which is going to finish fourth. (laughs) Is it going to be John Anthony Brooks and Wolfsburg or Giovanni Reina and Dortmund? Now, they both have 61 points, but Dortmund are ahead on goal differential, having two more goals to the good on their side. Both of these teams are going into, you know, maybe not the most difficult uh, matchups, but Dortmund's is definitely harder against Leverkusen and Wolfsburg take on Mainz. I think Wolfsburg are probably going to pull off the win over Mainz. So it'll be up to Dortmund to do at least two goals better than uh, to keep that goal differential ahead of Wolfsburg to finish third. So that that's how that race is looking. League on is looking very interesting as well as Leo kind of bottled it today. They had a chance to win the title, but they drew against Saint-Étienne who are in 11th place, but they're on 80 points. PSG are on 79 Monaco are on 77 and Leon are on 76. The title is really anyone's game at this point, except out of those four, except for Leon, who mm-hmm. can no longer win the title with one game left. Monaco would have to do a pretty spectacular uh, win while Leo and PSG both lose and getting at least five goals uh, ahead of Leo which would require a 5-0 win or better, which is not very likely. Although Monaco have been good with scoring, having good scores with Kevin Volland and Vissan Ben Yedder up top, so it could happen. But most likely, this is going to be between Lille and PSG. Will Lille, Lille be able to disrupt their dominance? It's going to be interesting because neither of them have tough matchups. PSG go to uh, Brest, who are 16th in the table. Not that tough of a matchup. And uh, Lille take on Angers, I think it's pronounced. Sure. I'm I'm butchering it. I know. (laughs) Uh, But they're in 12th. So both relatively mid-table, both safe from relegation uh, for the most part. So it's going to be an interesting one to check out. Uh, I I think Lille can do it because they have the point cushion. They they just have to, you know, draw or do better given PSG draw or lose. So I think they could do it. Then we have Serie A, my favorite league. And given that I've spent a lot, uh, a lot of time on this and we don't have a, a lot of clarity on the Premier League, this is the last one I'll do a more in-depth look on. Mm-hmm. There's five teams in the, in the race for four spots, which is way different 
than we've seen in any of the other ones so far. Right now, we know Inter Milan are going to be first. They're on 88 points. Atalanta look like they've secured a Champions League place. Something would have to go catastrophically wrong for them on the final day of the season. But they face fellow top four uh, hopers. That's not the right <laughs> word. But uh, in AC Milan, they face them. Uh, aside, they beat 3-0 earlier in the, in the season to end their winning streak. So they're going to be looking to do the same. It's going to be a derby as well because both of them are based around Milan. Atalanta is only 15 minutes away from uh, the San Siro. So that's going to be interesting to take a look at. Napoli have made a really good recovery to be in third on 76 points, tied with Milan right now on 36. And Juventus are in fifth place, although they are on 75 points, so they could easily make it back in. It's going, it's going to come down to some of the last games really in here. But uh, Juventus take on Bologna, which is not the toughest of games. Atalanta take on Milan. Inter Milan take on Udinese. And Napoli take on Verona. Uh, so these are going to be interesting games to watch on the final weekend. Those are going to be happening this Sunday. So check those out. Premier League, I'll just give you a rundown of the teams that are in the running. Man City and Man United already have uh, Champions League secured. Leicester and Chelsea play each other on Tuesday. That's going to be massive to see who gets third and who gets fourth. If Chelsea win, they'll qualify for the Champions League for pretty much. It will be pretty much good then. But uh, if not, it's going to be a lot tougher for them. Then we have Liverpool, who are in the running once again after Allison scored a late winner, uh, which is against West Brom, which is just crazy. Uh, Tottenham somehow are in the running for this. They're not likely to make it in. They'd have to win both of their games and hope everyone else above them loses all of them. So, and then we have AJ's team, West Ham, who kind of bottled top four when they, but I think, I think, I think AJ would take even seventh place to get some European competition for for West Ham given last season. So, uh, those are the seven teams in for that. Tune in this week for the the last week for a lot of these leagues, but it's going to be exciting to check them out. Yeah, I think in terms of the the, the leagues that I'm going to watch the most closely, don't really care about the Premier League. I do care about the Premier League, but I, I like <laughs> it, in terms of what I want to like see in order to like be like, ooh, how's it going to finish? I'm not watching the Premier League, not watching Bundesliga, La Liga. I'm pretty sure Atletico Madrid's going to win, but we'll see. To me, it's all about Liga and Syria because yeah. Juventus missing out would be huge and Lille winning over PSG would also be huge. So I'm going to watch those two leagues very closely. Uh, let's move on to our final big story. And uh, this is going to be a sad one for Jack. That's why I'm the yeah. one talking about it at first. Then I'm going to throw it to him so he can be angry about it. <laughs> Leicester City win their first FA Cup in club history. Uh, Congratulations, Leicester City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Congratulations. (laughs) Who did they beat, Jack? Who did they beat to win their first FA Cup? Some team named Chelsea. Some team named Chelsea. Because it wasn't the same Chelsea I know that showed up. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Well, we'll get to your opinion on it in a second. Five years after completing the impossible... Leicester City got another trophy. Let's, you know, let's talk about the, the positive sides about Leicester City winning. Then we'll get to the losing side in a little bit. <laughs> I'm sad about the Chelsea losing too, just to be clear, because Christian Pulisic. But you know, this time, 
instead of winning the Premier League, Leicester City have won the FA Cup. And we'll talk about more about the game itself in the prediction section. But as always, I want to talk about what it means for each of the clubs. For Leicester, it's a huge win that cements them as a big club in England. To finish top four and win the FA Cup is a huge accomplishment for Leicester. And they've had the consistency the past few seasons to really overtake other big teams in club stature. Their owner, top Sriv Adhanaprabha, I really hope I pronounced that correctly, son of their former owner who died in a helicopter crash just a while back, was there to celebrate the win with the players. Rogers and the players hugged and cheered him on, which goes to show you how connected Leicester City's organization is. From the top down, it is a family business. The players love the ownership. The ownership loves the management and the players. It's really, really seamless how the organization runs. And it's huge for the Leicester's players as well. Casper Schmeichel, Christian Fuchs, Albrighton, Tielsman. Tielsman. I'm not going to try. Yes. Yes. I don't even know why I mispronounced that. We're just like, the both of us are in a bad pronunciation week tonight. Madison, Ndidi, Barnes, Nacho, Vardy. These players have put their heart and soul into the team that hasn't you know, historically won trophies. And yet here they are. I think... Really, when you think about Vardy specifically, is a really great story. It's been talked about a lot, but he was uh, non-league for a lot of his career. And he's a true Leicester legend now. He has, Jack, I don't know if you know this, he's gotten into, played actually in every FA Cup round that there exists, except the extra preliminary round, which he has not played in. So really, he's just a a fake FA Cup fan. Ah, yeah, yeah, fake fan. Only the biggest footballers play in the extra preliminary round in right, the FA Cup. Of the Brendan Rodgers is the first manager to win both the English and Scottish FA Cups since Sir Alex Ferguson. He's done a great job and deserves a lot of credit. And now let's talk about Chelsea. This is now two finals that they've lost in a row. Obviously, if they win the Champions League, who cares about this? But right. it does put a bit of a dent in the great season Tuchel and Chelsea have been having. So I'm going to throw it to Jack to be angry about why exactly uh, it turned out this way. So I'm going to ask him what went wrong for Chelsea, Jack, uh, the referee. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, it's not just that I, I, it's not just that, but I, I do want to say the, the, the goal for Tielemans, it came off the hand of Perez. It deflected towards him and that's how he was able to get to it. I, I don't think that goal should have stood, but you know, what, whatever. He controlled the ball with his hand, but that, that happens sometimes. And also the Chilwell goal, uh, the frame they used to check for offside, the ball had left to the foot of the, of, the, of the pass already. So, But whatever. You can't always blame everything on the refereeing, even though there were some suspect moments. Chelsea should have capitalized on chances. They didn't, though. And that's what really hurt them. They, they didn't capitalize on any of the chances that they were really given, uh, Mount had some great chances, drew, dragged them wide. Uh, you know, Christian Pulisic, I believe, actually had a goal. Chalk, no, wait, I'm thinking of the Arsenal game where we also lost one now. <laughs> oh. uh, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, I, I don't think the starting lineup was exactly what they should have gone for. I think they should have gone with what works, which so far this season has really been uh, Havertz, Mount, and Pulisic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it was a big call leaving them on the bench. And he really paid, and Tuchel and Chelsea really paid for it. And I also think starting Alonso over Chilwell was a big mistake because yeah. Alonso just he he just get he doesn't track back well enough. He doesn't. 
And, you know, I, I think Chilwell should have started that game. I think there were some really weird decisions, but, uh, you know, I, I can't help but feel aggrieved by the refereeing as well because there were some suspect decisions in last year's final, even though that wasn't the entire reason why Chelsea lost. But it just hurts a little bit more when you see those kinds of things in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Would you have started Keppa over Mendy or would you switch that around? No, I would have started Mendy as well. I, I almost forgot about that because okay. I feel like just given the goal and positioning, Keppa is close to getting to that ball. Mm-hmm. What, uh, the, the Telemans rocket, really. Uh, like he, he is close. Mendy is just a little bit taller than Keppa. And I okay. can't help but think like if Mendy was in there, would his extra height been just enough to make that save? A, Ooh, fingertip a lot of save. what ifs. I know it's a lot of what ifs, but that's what happens. You, you, but you know what? All I'm going to say onto the Champions League final, if they win that, I couldn't care less about the FA Cup. Uh, I, I love watching the cup games, but you know, if they win the Champions League, I couldn't care less. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, as listeners know from our past episodes, we we love cup competition. So it always sucks to, to lose one. But, you know, up and onwards, as Jack said, and up and onwards to the real quick section. We actually have a lot, but really, I'm just going to just go over just some news. Uh, Sporting CP win the 2021 Premier Liga in Portugal. Uh, their first title in, I think, since 2002. Usually it's Benfica or Porto winning. So for Sporting to win, really big deal for them. Congratulations. Besiktas win their, the 2021 Turkish Super League title by only a single goal over Galatasaray. Wow. It, like, incredible. Incredible. Just literally, like, it, it's like that scene in Cars where Lightning McQueen <laughs> like ties the race with his tongue. Basically what's happened. Rangers finished the Scottish season as invincibles. So congratulations. Uh, Who is it? Steven Gerrard. He's, he's the manager, right? Big, big ups to him. Really great for that. FC Barcelona win their first UEFA women's champions league over. I'm actually forgetting who they beat. Jack, do do you want to remind me? Yeah, it was Chelsea. Yeah, it was Chelsea. Two cup finals in a row. We're going to talk about that game Uh, as well later. (laughs) And we also have, Jack mentioned this earlier, but I have to like mention it, the Allison goal to, to put Liverpool in the position to potentially get Champions League. A bullet header, really. Yeah, yeah. 90 plus fourth minute, Jack, to head it in on the last corner of the game. Incredible, incredible scenes. He's only the sixth goalkeeper to ever score in Premier League history. Mind you, that 33% of that six goalkeepers are American. Brad Friedel, t- uh, Tim Howard. I, I know the Everton goal. I, I remember that one. Yeah. Then, uh, uh, that, that was a bit more impressive than Allison's, I've got to say. Uh, but you know what? Still, good for him. From a physics standpoint, it was, it was more impressive. But right. I, I think in terms of what it meant, that Allison goal is going to live yeah. forever in memory. But All right. speaking, of, speaking of 90 plus fourth minute, another quick mention. Uh, Minnesota United put together back-to-back wins somehow after yeah. a 90, 90 plus fourth minute winner from the Finnish God himself, Robin Ludd, who, uh, you know, he's going to be leaving for the Euros and I'm scared for that prospect. It is not going to be good. I have yeah. a feeling when that happens, but going yeah. off the 90 plus fourth minute train we're talking about, we also had, uh, Atlanta United's Moreno win in a 1-0 game against CF Montreal 
at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in front of 40,000 fans, the biggest uh, attendance since the beginning of the pandemic in Atlanta. It That's crazy. It's great to have fans back, even though it might still be iffy, but, you know, it's Georgia, so whatever. <laughs> Hey, so this is usually the part where we have our two individual sections. Jack has his Jack's lower league lowdown, and I have my U.S. men's national team corner. Jack, unfortunately, had some personal issues to deal with, so he wasn't able to do lower league lowdown. I recorded the U.S. men's national team corner, but it was just me spouting out how the European-based U.S. men's national team players' seasons went and just like very quickly summarizing their seasons, and that kind of is boring. So I'd rather go more in depth in another episode than just try to like spout out as much facts as possible. Like that's boring. So I'll eventually get around to uh, ranking, probably doing a tier list of how all the people's seasons went, but you know, doing it in a better way than how I did it here. So, yep, that's basically why the U.S. Men's National Team Corner isn't here. It'll be back next week. Uh, on to the show. With that, let's go on to last week's predictions. We're starting off with the San Jose Earthquakes and the Seattle Sounders. But before we get to that, Jack, why don't you remind us exactly how the scoring system works for this game? Yeah, so you get 10 points for getting the result correct, 20 points if you get the exact scoreline correct, and you get absolutely nothing if you get it all wrong. Yes, so let's start off in the MLS with the Earthquakes and the Sounders. Christian Roldan scored early for the Sounders, but the following 70 mitten minutes threatened to shake it up. San Jose went round for round with the Sounders, putting up 15 shots, creating 10 chances, and accumulating an XG of 1.46. It all came to a head when Stefan Fry, Seattle's goalkeeper, went down injured in stoppage time. They had used all their substitutes already, so they had to put in defender Alex Roldan in goal, where he's able to save the onslaught of chances that San Jose were creating. Ultimately, Roldan and the Sounders stayed the course and won 1-0. Thankfully for Seattle fans, Fry's injury won't sideline him for too long. We both saw the lights. We thought Seattle was going to win. Jack said one to two for 10 points. And I got it exactly right. I knew it was going to be a conservative game. I said one to zero for Seattle. And I got 20 points for that. Jack, why don't you walk us through the DFB Pokal final? Yeah, well, despite Leipzig dominating in total shots and possession, this game was firmly in the hands of Borussia Dortmund. Sancho had a first half brace and Holland scored as well to make it 3-0 to Dortmund at the break. Danny, uh, yeah, Danny, Danny Omo got one back for Leipzig in the 71st minute, but a Holland dagger in the hearts of Leipzig made it 3-1 in the 87th. Sancho not only got a goal, but an assist as well. And full credit has to go to Marco Royce, who not only captained this team to glory, but provided two key assists in this victory. A true club legend, really, for Dortmund. Mm-hmm. Uh and you know what? AJ and I both got it, got the result right that Borussia Dortmund was going to win, but we didn't predict it to be this devastating to Leipzig. I guess they just really missed Tyler Adams that much. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I guess zero to two for 10 points and AJ guessed one to two for 10 points. But AJ, why don't you take us down to a ferocious derby in the heart of Italy with yeah. Roma versus Lazio? Yeah, sure. Roma versus Lazio in Syria. Roma win the Darby della Capitale. Ooh. <laughs> They've put a bit of a clinic 
with many players playing an important role in the victory. 19-year-old midfielder Ibrima Darbo was lights out with a 96% pass rate. Mkhitaryan and Pedro Rodriguez got the two goals. Goalkeeper Daniel Fusato had four important saves, and Dzeko had an important assist, as always. Great play all around from Roma. Lazio was simply outplayed. In my mind, it's a lot more about how great Roma was and how bad Lazio was, but even then, it didn't really help that Lazio were pretty un- unimpressive this entire match. A Lazio striker, what is that? Vaudette Muriki was a literal black hole in attack. Uh, whenever a ball came towards him, he would mess something up and he just didn't add anything. And Francesco Acerbi, their center back, got sent off to cap off the match. Just not a great showing from them. Unfortunately, Jack was the one that predicted Roma to win. He said three to two. Not exactly the scoreline, but he did get 10 points. I said one to zero to Lazio for zero. Unfortunate. Now, Jack's going to have to relive some bad bad history with Chelsea versus Leicester city in the FA cup final Jack, take it away. All right. Well, it was, it was a back and forth match throughout 90 minutes. Chelsea controlled the game, but really didn't create anything meaningful. Conte and Jorginho bossed the midfield as always, but the front three of Mount Ziyech and burner just couldn't deliver in the final third. In the end, it was a Thielman screamer that made the difference in the 63rd minute, uh, but a chill goal in the 89th minute, threatened to take the game into extra time, but upon further review, it was incorrectly, not, not technically, uh, mm-hmm. announced that he was a literal hair offside. Leicester City somehow win 1-0. to zero. We, both, we both predicted Chelsea to win in pretty dominating fashion, too. I predicted 2-0. to zero. And AJ predicted 3-1. to one. Uh, We couldn't have been further from the results, yeah. honestly, on this one. So, uh, but with that, why don't you take it to uh, the second, another heartbreak, you know, for me, uh, with, with uh, the UEFA Women's Champions League final. Barcelona versus Chelsea. Complete carnage. From the get-go, it was all Barcelona. Chelsea's, and I'm going to mispronounce a lot of these names, but Chelsea's Leopold's gave up an own goal in the first minute, which isn't really the precedent you want to set going into the rest of the match. Uh, Putellas scored a penalty in the 14th minute, and Bonmati and Hansen both scored to make it 4-0 to to Barcelona at the break. From there, being that far up, Barca rode it out in the second half to win it 4-0. to It was a complete dismantling. Not only did Barca, Barca's midfield destroy Chelsea's backline, but Chelsea's front three of Frank Kirby, uh, Peniel Harder, and Sam Kerr, they just got shut down by Barca's defense. It was... It was complete carnage, completely one-sided match all around. Jack, back back Chelsea, unfortunately. I had to. I had to. He had to. He said 2-1 to one to Chelsea. I said 2-1 to one to Barcelona. Even though I was very far off, I did get the 10 points. And I will announce the final results of this week. AJ 40, Jack 30. To bring me... Ugh. AJ to seven wins, 11 losses, and one tie. Jack to six wins, 10 losses, and three ties. I, I believe the math works out there. Yes. Yeah. Great. Jack, how do you feel about that? And do you think you could bounce back this week? Oh, I, I think I can do this. I, I've, I've got my notes here. I've got them ready. I've got them ready here. I think I can do it. All right. Well, then let's hear it. Let's jump in 
right away to this week's predictions. You know, we're, we're keeping the finals month going on. We're done with finals week, but we have some finals we're talking about. We're having some very important matches that we're talking about that can dictate who wins these leagues or alternatively, who gets promoted to certain leagues. We're starting off with the latter. We're talking about AFC Bournemouth versus Brentford. Jack, the lower league master, why don't you walk us through one half of the EFL Championship promotion semifinals? Yeah, well, these teams both deserve to be in the promotion playoffs, and Brentford is the top seed here. This is going to be played, if I'm not mistaken, at Wembley. And uh, I don't think you know, so. I, I think it's a actually, no. I think you're, I think it is home in a way. First and second league. Yeah, yeah. That that's my bad. The finals at Wembley. I guess I'm not too much of a lower league master. Uh, no. But you know, uh, here here's the difference for me. Ivan Tony. That that's just the difference. That that's really it. That that's Ivan Tony is unstoppable. He broke the record for most championship goals in a season. He's gonna he's gonna tear Bournemouth apart. And, and in fact. Brentford are one of two teams to do the double over Bournemouth this season. The other being somehow Sheffield Wednesday, uh, who finished wow. bottom in the in the league. But you know, the other thing that sums this up for me: Bournemouth have three losses in their last three. Brentford have three wins in their last three. Form and Ivan Tony are going to carry Brentford to what I think will be a re- relatively comfortable two to zero win. All right, all right. This is a way, I believe to uh, AFC Bournemouth. So, so AFC Bournemouth is at home, I think, if that right. changes yes. your results at all. No, in my that, mind, that yeah, in my mind, it also doesn't. Uh, to add on to what you said, because I basically had the same thing in my notes, Bournemouth also haven't scored at all in those past three, right. past three games. So they're in some pretty dull, bad doldrums right now. I had it as a bit more conservative, a 0-1 win for Brentford. I think it might be a little bit more conservative because, you know, this is pretty much like a cup match. So they're not going to be like, uh, it's going to be more of a chess match, you know, just feeling each other out for a little bit, but I do see Brantford winning, but speaking of cup matches, let's move on to two ones that are coming up. Uh, the first one is Atalanta versus Juventus in the Copa Italia final. Uh, Jack, considering that you are an Atalanta fan, I'll let you take the helm on this one as well. Well, here, here's what, here's what I'm going to start with. The form of these two teams is they both have relatively good form. In recent form, Atalanta have four four wins, one drawn, zero losses, and five. But they also haven't lost in 11 league games. They haven't lost since March in the league. Juventus, on the other hand, are three wins, one draw, and one loss in five. Juventus are also going to be missing uh, Bentoncourt, Rodrigo Bentoncourt, because he got a red card versus Inter that carries over into domestic competitions, if I remember correctly. And Atalanta beat Juventus 1-0 in the last game, courtesy of a Ruslan Malinovsky wonder goal, really. But the big difference for me here is Luis freaking Muriel. He's incredible. He is, he is in my, for, my, for my money, the best striker in Europe this season. He has a goal contribution every 45 minutes this season. That is how good he is. And if he starts this game, he got rested at the weekend. He didn't play uh, in uh, Atalanta's win over, um, I think it was Parma. But he, yeah, I, I think he destroys Juventus if he starts. And because of that, I'm saying Atalanta win this 2-1. to one. I have a feeling Ronaldo will get a penalty and convert it. it ju- it's just a feeling. Uh, but yeah, that's what I'm going for. Well, Ronaldo had a penalty this past weekend. 
didn't convert it. I think he I know. scored the rebound, but I have the exact opposite. I have two to one to Juventus. Ooh, okay. Okay. Yes, Atlanta have been stacking up wins recently. Yes, Juventus haven't won against Atlanta in their past three meetings, but my head says Atlanta, but my heart says Weston McKenney wins <laughs> Not even with Juventus. Juventus. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't care about Juventus, but you know, I, I, I do like a lot of their players. She has a Quadrado. Aaron Ramsey, even I don't even know he's probably not going to start, or maybe he will because Bentacore is out. But in my in my heart of hearts, I want another American to win. If Atlanta win, uh, no biggie. That that's cool too. I think they're a cool team. But I'm going with them for no other reason other than I just want to will it to happen. And something tells me that this might be our only disagreement this entire section right now. It might. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, let's move on to the second of our cup matches, Monaco versus PSG in the Coup de France final. Uh, I'll start this one out. Monaco have been pretty good the past couple of games and have had the upper hand against PSG in recent meetings. But here's the thing. Both have to focus on the league as well. They're both chasing Monaco. I think is that they're, they're still chasing to get third and potentially the title, but that's probably unlikely. Uh, PSG is obviously chasing the title against Lille. So there might be some depth issues. There might be slight rotation, or at least these players aren't going to be playing at 100%. They might be at 90%, just so they can save some energy for the more important match, maybe in their mind later on. But PSG is much more well-equipped with their personnel to deal with that issue. So I think PSG is going to have the upper hand in terms of their overall depth, who they bring in, and just overall talent. They win 2-0. to zero. Uh, Jack, are you backing Monaco right now? See, I think you've forgotten the key thing, that Monaco is my favorite team in France. I, I, lo- I, I think Monaco is an awesome team, and I am going to back them to beat PSG. Oh, wow. They've beaten them twice this season, even when they were, weren't playing with their starters. They, they still beat them. And also... I'm just going to say, this is going to be controversial, but right now in the league this season, the combination of Wissam Ben Yedder, Kevin Volland, and Alexander Golovin has been better than Neymar, Icardi, and Kylian Mbappe. That, their combination of that three has been better than the other trio. I'm going I'm to clip be, this, and I'm going to play I know, for I know you next are. week. <laughs> I, know, I know it's going to happen. It, I'm, it's, gonna, it's probably going to blow up in my face, but I really like the Monaco team right now, and I think that they can do this over PSG. They've beaten them twice. And plus, you know, if Monaco win, it means a former Minnesota United player gets a, gets an awesome trophy. So you got you got to think about, about it, about these things. You got to think it's about true. Manone is so, their backup goalkeeper. That would be right. really cool. He, he could, who knows? He could, he could get the start in this game, which would be incredible. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm going from Monaco three to PSG two. I don't, I think this is going to be really close because Monaco's defense is not great but their attack is so good that I think it makes up for it. Okay. Okay. Well, it turns out we didn't uh, disagree or we, we didn't agree on all of our uh, other predictions because now we have two disagreements, but something tells me we're going to agree on the, these next two, because these are the games are featuring the current league leaders in La Liga and Liga respectively. The first one we have is Atletico Madrid versus Real Valladolid. Uh, Jack, do you think that there's any chance, 
any chance at all that Valladolid can take it against the 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 champions to be. Theoretically, yes, there's a probability of anything happening, but actually, no. I, I think I think Atletico Madrid are going to come out winners on this one. You know, Valladolid are on bad form. They have not had a win in five in five games plus. Like in their last five, they have had two draws and three losses. That is not good form. On the other hand, Luis Suarez coming back into this Atletico Madrid side is massive for them. He scored a crucial goal today against Osasuna to make sure that they stayed top of La Liga. And I think if he continues that over, Suarez for the win and Atletico comfortably take this uh, three to zero for Atletico because, you know, Valladolid, they have relegation to try and fight to escape, but it's really unlikely at this point because they have to, one, hope they win, and two, hope that both Elche and Uesta both lose, which isn't exactly super likely. And yeah, I, I, I honestly think that Atletico Madrid take this pretty comfortably. All right, all right. I think this is a bogey match, right? Oh, okay. Valladolid, they've been able to draw Sevilla Athletic Club and only lost to Barcelona by one goal. It's a one to zero loss. At Barcelona, it, it, it wasn't even, you know, at Real Valladolid. They did that. They did that. However, I, I just don't think it's going to be enough. I think it's going to be very conservative. I think it's going to be like athletic fans are going to be on the edge of their seats for most of the match. Like it's going to be a, a really early uh, Suarez goal or whatever. And it's going to be like, oh, are, are Valadolid going to do it? I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be 1-0. I think Atletico Madrid win La Liga. Yeah, I mean, there's not, not, not much else to say other than sorry for, for this Valadolid, but you're going to lose. You're going to get relegated. Knock on wood, Atletico Madrid might lose. But another team that is, you know, trying to make it uh, – trying to clinch the the title i guess is leal in league uh, uh jack why don't you take this away this is leal versus how do you pronounce ungers i'm not sure um i i'm not exactly sure i should know because i took french but i i don't i think it's angers but i i i know i'm getting sl- uh slim for that one right there but that sounds a lot more french but yes it, it does <laughs> but i i don't remember but uh here's what i'm thinking you know there uh the home team, the A team, uh, we'll, we'll call them, is one win, zero draws, and four losses in their last five. Lille have no losses in their last five, three wins and two draws. At the end of the day, the A team has nothing left to fight for. I'm not even going to try and pronounce it at this point. I, okay. I'm, I'm going to mess it up too many times. They're mid-table. They can't get into Europe. They're not in danger of being relegated. It, this is just a nothing match for them. It might as well be a preseason match for next season. And on the other hand, Lille have everything to fight for in this match. And because of that, I think their defense is going to come through. You know, Mike Mignon is going to be a brick wall in defense for them. He's going to stop all the shots. And because of that, I think that Lille are going to win this one to zero. All right. All right. Well, as it turns out, I said that Atletico Madrid is going to win one zero. You said three zero. Now you're saying Lille's going to win one zero. I'm saying 3-0. Oh, my right? God. <laughs> but Lille, here, here's the thing, right? In my mind, it's either going to be like 0-1 or 1-0 to uh, Ungers or whatever. Unless, unless 
Jonathan David, or was it Yilmaz? Yilmaz? Barack Yilmaz, yeah. Yilmaz, yeah. Unless they step up. Because if they can't step up, then you're going to get another 0-0 draw or something, just like what happened today. Their attack relies on them recently. If you go, let's say their past like couple of matches, like the past four or five, they're on the score sheet very, very regularly. And when they don't score and when they don't have a positive output, it just doesn't work out for Lille. And that's kind of been the story, right? Lille is really good at keeping clean sheets, not the best at creating attacks if it you know, isn't brute forced like from uh, Ilmaz or David. This on paper should be a walk in the park, but this walk in the park can quickly turn into a walk in hell if uh, Ungers or whatever steps up. But in my mind, they won't. They're in bad, bad form. And I think, you know, the players have to have like that winning mentality in their mind that like makes them elevate further and they win this three to zero. Those are our predictions. Jack, how are you feeling about this? Do you think you can get that crucial win? Yeah, I, I think I think I can do this. We're, we're pretty similar for most of these, but I, I think uh, I, I'm believing in the teams I support right there for the cup finals. Uh, so I, I think that they can pull through for me. All right. I think I'm going to be right in the cup finals. And I also think that I'm going to get at least one of these other three right on the money. And if I had to guess, probably be Real Valid's lead versus Atletico Madrid. Uh, that's, that's how I'm thinking. That's fair. That's fair. But Jack, do you have anything else to say to our listeners that are still listening right now? As always, you know, make sure to check out our Twitter at Final Third Show. As we mentioned at the beginning, we just hit 100 followers. So let's get on the road to 200 followers. So yeah. follow on there if you want to be part of that. Uh, as, as AJ said as well, we're going to be sending out a listener survey soon enough. It'll be on our Twitter. It'll be in show notes as well. But if you want to get access to that first, and be one of the first responses, you know, uh, it doesn't get you anything special except a great deal of satisfaction, I guess. Uh, but, you know, if you want to do that, check out our Twitter, follow us, uh, put on notifications if you want to see all of our bad takes on things or good takes up for that matter. And yeah, just thank you for all the support so far. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, follow us on wherever you listen to us on, uh, follow us on Twitter as well, as you said. Uh, Tell a friend, as always, it's always great to see people, not just like tweet at us that they're listening, because we, we have a lot of people uh, saying that, but also say that they really enjoy the podcast and will recommend it to a friend. That's always great. Leave us a rating, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to us on. Tell your dad even, I'm sure he would love to hear all about Chelsea losing two cup finals in a row. I'm sure he would love to hear that. We'll see you guys this Thursday for our deep dive episode. And we'll also see you guys next week, same time, same place for the deep, for the, I almost said the deep dive again, the news and prediction episode. We'll see you there. See ya. Bye for now.